How are you guys doing? Today's episode is sponsored by GhostBed. I have to give a quick shout out to five of my VIP members over on the Patreon side of things because without their support, honestly, these videos, they, they make these things possible. So thank you so much to Jessica Ferguson, Jeremy Moore, Carl Crum, Len Shrek, and Molly63. If you guys would like to join and support the channel, it would be much appreciated. And it's always linked in the bottom description down below. Everyone over on Patreon gets access to these videos early. They get exclusive videos every single week, one a week. They don't have any ads. It also helps uh, to keep the channel going a ton. I mean, this, this thing does cost a bit of money to keep going. Um, we don't get monetized out the gate due to the nature of the content we talk about. So thank you once again to everybody over here. And let's come over and support on the Patreon side of things. So to kick this thing off, it seems that the Koreans are playing a few different type of war games with each other between themselves. Here recently, South Korea fired several warning shots at a uh, North Korean ship. It crossed that line. They're not supposed to. They're, yeah, you know. But uh, North Korea decided to, to actually shoot back with MLRSs. I don't know. Seems to be going pretty good, pretty solid on that side of the world. And it seems that the Belarusian military is back at it again with another solid training video. This time they decided to bring out the one by twos to uh, hit each other in their arms to show their strength of how powerful their bodies are and their ability to break wood just in case the Ukrainians decided to fight with sticks. The only thing missing from this video is the fact that there's no rope with fire attached to it that's flaming, these flaming ropes, uh, while they play jump rope. You know, we've seen that a bunch, and they're jumping through hula hoops. But they didn't forget to actually overlay the 90s Mortal Kombat music, which is playing in the background. I can't unfortunately play to you guys because of copyright reasons, but I absolutely love watching these countries and their infamous training videos. Like, really just shows how naive they are when it, when it, when it comes to actual militaries and how they're supposed to be and what they're supposed to look like and how easily they would actually fold with just a little bit of pressure. And y'all remember the Iranian instructors that were uh, we spoke about in the last episode who were brought into the Ukraine to help facilitate the killing of innocent people with the kamikaze drones that the Russians were utilizing? Well, karma struck fairly quick because they carried, uh, well, excuse me, the Ukrainians actually carried out a strike that actually killed all of them, Okay. Found that out. It's kind of crazy. Um, this happened two days ago. It was inside of occupied territory. Now, Iran did not learn its lesson with this strike in the public humiliation of sending people to help the Russians complete a task. They were too incompetent to complete. Apparently, they have decided to send more Iranians to help the Russians. Yes, but these, these Russians need some help. Well, this time they've been spotted inside of Belgorod. So I will say the Ukrainians have gotten much better at shooting down these drones over the past week. And we are seeing some indications the reasonings for the, the use of these by the Russians is because they have been running low or running, they are running low, like we all know this, on longer range missiles and are actually a bit worried of wasting them due to the Ukrainian air defense is becoming fairly, well, getting a lot better. If if they're deterring the Russians from using long range missiles and replacing them with these these drones because they're afraid of them not being effective, and that, that's a big win for the Ukrainian civilian population because they're less likely to live in fear at this point. Now, yesterday, Russia was trying to spread Yes, trying to spread this information that Ukraine was actually planning to detonate a dirty nuclear bomb on its territory, which the response from the Ukrainian foreign ministry wasn't really too shocking. He said the Russians often accuse others of what they plan to do themselves. I don't know who the master strategist is over there in the Kremlin, but one would think, you know, it's a little bit of common sense. The group that is advancing and taking back ground would need to use a so-called dirty nuclear bomb to win a war. Well, their opponent is currently fleeing their position. So just going to throw that out there. I mean, common sense here would speak some volumes, but it seems to me that the group that is currently fleeing their positions and, well, they're needing someone to stop or something to stop this advancement from happening would think 
about being this might be a feasible option. As expected, United States, UK, and France all dismissed the claim that Ukraine would be using a, a dirty bomb and such. And they also warned that Moscow, well, they also warned Moscow against using any pretext for escalating the conflict. Now, I keep seeing the same clip, and I see it over and over again. It's being shared. It's of a it's a couple minutes long. I will not be showing the entirety of this thing because it's. I'm just going to overlay it for you guys, for the ones who are viewing on YouTube. It's somewhat goofy, and it's just a piece from CNN showing the 101st Air Force Division uh, with troops on the ground over near the Ukrainian border. The only significant thing is that the 101st, uh, I don't believe they've been really like fully deployed to Europe since World War II. Now, I, I see a lot of people saying, yes, they're rotating in and out, and the 82nd was in this area. They're just leaving them. That's pretty much what's been going on. I think it's like the first time, though. But everyone knows the, everyone knows the 101st. Everybody does. Even, even that piece done by CNN. Uh, which CNN is a very trusted news source. Uh, they call them the most elite unit in the United States Army. I can assure you guys right now there's nothing too crazy about this group of guys that makes out uh, the 101st that stands out from any other regular Army unit. To be honest with you guys, if I was a Russian, I would be more terrified of an Army unit that consisted of like more heavy pieces like tanks. And, well, that's just the way the terrain lanes out in the area they're in. They're like on that southern portion outside of, I guess you would say, uh... Outside of that uh, Odessa area, just that's where they're, they're on that border. So I'm, I'm, I'm just saying this because that whole terrain is flat, and I, I know the 101st are amazing. Like, it's it's nothing wrong with them, but they're nothing. I would be more terrified of an armored unit. Just gonna be honest with you. Like, if I was the Russians, 101st, they're great, but a tank roll, eh, I don't know if I want to deal with the Abrams. So there's nothing better than getting great night sleep. Yes, and sleeping on a mattress that's designed for your particular sleeping style can really help. Everybody's going to be different. I'm different. I sleep on my side. My wife sleeps on her back. She falls asleep in like two seconds. I take like two hours. That's why I get excited when I get to party with people like Ghostbed. A company like Ghostbed is a family-owned business that's been designing mattresses and other sleep products for more than two decades. I took one of their pillows on my vacation with me. This last vacation I was on, it was in Europe. I went to Italy and I took their pillow with me all the way over there. Like they know that sleep is personal and mattress shopping can be overwhelming. Ghostbed takes the guesswork out of the equation with their online mattress quiz. Answer a few questions about your lifestyle, your sleeping style, and they'll recommend the right Ghostbed mattress for you. You'll get a 101 night sleep trial with a free returns. Yes, free returns for added peace of mind and shipping is fast and free. Everybody loves free shipping and it's fast. Plus, all ghost bed mattresses are proudly made in the United States of America. Yes, they're made in the USA. For a limited time, our listeners, yes, you guys and gals out there, can get 30% off ghost bed mattresses plus two free pillows or get 40% off when you guys bundle mattresses with their award-winning adjustable bases. Use promo code ROB. Yes, R-O-B at ghostbed.com forward slash ROB to take advantage of this offer. That's www.ghostbed.com forward slash Rob. Use the promo code Rob. Save up to 40%. Go check them out. They're a sponsor of this channel. They're made in America. They're family owned. Go check them out. Ghostbed.com forward slash Rob. Use promo code Rob. Viagru, Бабки гробовые бы еще все потратили на то, чтобы их насиловали русские солдаты. Мне казалось, что...
Всегда ненавидели русских. So yes, this guy's making a joke or trying to make a terrible joke about the terrible things the Russians have done while inside of Ukraine, with like raping innocent women and well, doing all the atrocities we've seen them do. These are the kind of people that need to be held accountable after the war is over for pushing this kind of stuff. И вот там мне украинские дети не рассказывали про то, что Украина оккупирована москалями. Что если бы не москали, они бы жили как во Франции, а вот они страдают, потому что оккупированы. Причем это были не украинские дети, которые украинцы говорят по-украински. Такие там тоже были, они были совершенно нормальные. А какие? Откуда были эти дети? Это были совершенно русскоязычные, с русскими фамилиями пацаны, которые... У кого-то там отец был военный, у кого-то кто-то еще. Ну, то есть это были абсолютно русские, русскоязычные, но себя А прям топить таких надо было в песыне. Прям вот там, где плынекача. Вот прям топить этих детей, топить. Это не прям ваш в метод. Песыне. Это, это не ваш метод, поэтому вы интеллигентные люди, писатели, фантасты. А это наш метод. Вот прям воспитывать надо Сказал, было. что, так сказать, москали оккупировали. И сразу прям бросаешь в в реку с буйным, бурным течением. Вообще для И... этой цели на Руси традиционно использовали розги. Они лучше, чем река, работали, А я бы, вот там у них есть такая... Там каждое, значит, говно называется у них, так сказать, там такие домики есть куча очень, очень плохих, чудовищных. То есть они же засрали Карпаты, же они их уничтожили на самом деле. То есть Карпаты это отвратительно. А... И там каждая, значит, изба называется... Смарякова, смарякова хата. И вот прямо в эту смарякову хату прямо забивать и сжечь. Прямо. Советский Союз, он был тяжело, конечно, болен. И вот Украина, это была, наверное, одна из самых таких пораженных его точек. А она, наверное, была пораженная точка почему? Потому что ее вообще не должно существовать. Украина должна оставаться на карте мира. Я, честно говоря, думаю, что да, потому что там останется в любом случае большое количество людей, с которыми не хотелось бы жить в одном государстве. Ну, расстреляем. Now, what kind of country allows a guy to get on national television and say things like that? Like, should they, that they should be drowning the kids that don't agree with them or throwing them into huts that they live in and then setting them on fire? Oh, and don't forget, if you don't agree with this gentleman's views, then they should just be shot. Like, this is the kind of stuff, especially, like, this, this kind of mindset shouldn't be taken lightly. This is the, this is probably the worst thing I've ever heard coming from the Russians. Like, the Russians that are listening to this. I know there's, what, almost 10% of you guys right now who are living in Russia watching this video. This is on your TV. This is y'all's people. What are you doing? Like, what? Like, they, you, they deserve every single thing that is coming for them at this point. Every single, not, not, not maybe not the ones that are watching, but even the ones that are speaking just like that. This is terrible. It's just absolutely terrible. So this next speech is a bit longer, but man, I, I, I see this stuff and I think there, or where, where is this war headed? Like, what is the real end goal for the Russians? Because the way this guy speaks, it's not just about Ukraine. It's about all of Europe and more. И я рад. Прекрасный у тебя флаг за спиной, да, православие або смерть, Россия или смерть. Мы так и думаем. Но вот мне точно там не хочется запугивать людей там историческими аллюзиями на Карибский кризис, но я не могу избавиться вот от каких-то ассоциаций, что это сильно смахивает на очередной Карибский кризис. 
поэтому и спросил тебя, вот есть ощущение того, что мы увидим э, в прицелы настоящих живых американцев, а не только вот этих вот наемников? Вполне возможно, что, а чего нет? Почему НАТО не может вести войска? Почему нет? Ну, почему, что им, что им мешает? Но я думаю, что поводом, поводом, вот реальным поводом для ввода, это может быть начало боевых действий со стороны вот, северного, северного ФАСа, скажем так. Я вот сейчас это говорю не то, что я там ну, за или против, ну, то есть хочу я этого избежать, не хочу, я сейчас этому не даю оценки, я, ну, вот я просто говорю, что да, такое может быть. Ну, и будем сражаться с НАТО. Но мы, мы уже, смотри, мы снажа... у Украины есть практически полный арсенал ядерного оружия, за исключением, может, каких-то там систем ПВО более сложных, да. Там Но только, 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 только не ядерного все же, ты оговорился, да, я думаю. я имею в виду, да. То есть у них есть все, да, это будет большая для нас, большущая проблема, ну а что делать, не привыкать. Будем сражаться, будем воевать, будем убивать врагов всех тех, кто придет на нашу землю. Почему-то это вызывает у них коробит некоторые, когда я говорю убивать. Ну может кто-то думает, что на войне развлекаются чем-то другим. Вот. Но вот мы будем убивать американских солдат. So this guy clearly has no indication, no idea that what he could be getting himself into if America actually decided to join. And right now I'm not entirely sure What grounds he think they would join or would they would have a reason to, I guess. Uh, I, I know the piece that we just talked about with CNN and all that. I think that was more of a propaganda piece or whatever because everybody knows 101st. They see him as being this big, crazy unit. When, in fact, if the 3rd Infantry Division was sitting there, I would be more terrified of the 3rd ID than I would of the 101st because of what they have. The 101st is really, really awesome in certain terrain, and the 3rd ID is really, really awesome, probably a bit better in that terrain. I'd be terrified of them just because I know what they have. But he is trying to paint the picture that if the Russians are trying to advance from the northern side of the country, like from within Belarus, I guess that's what he's saying, they're going to attempt to join the war as Americans are going to attempt. But I'm not entirely sure why that aggression would dictate or justify us joining even one bit. I can't say this enough. I'm going on it because, of, like I said, we almost have 10% audience that is watching directly from Russia. I think it's very crucial you guys hear this. You do not want war with America. 100%. You will lose everything you have gained inside of Ukraine within weeks, literally a week's time, and you will be so embarrassed. You'll be so completely embarrassed. Like, it'll be, it'll be done. Like, I can assure you that you are not even relatively close to being as powerful as you might believe you are. Like, no amount of jumping through hoops that are on fire can get you prepared to go against an actual superpower. А ты думаешь, это до сих пор кого-то коробит еще? Ну, первые пару месяцев, да, наверное. После моей речи в Кремле мне сказали, что да нет, ну как тут, понимаешь, Путин объявляет глобальную войну Западу открытую, да, uh -huh. полвала спит, и просто, ну, я, я чувствую, что люди не понимают, что врагов надо убивать, все то, что они забрали у нас, надо отнять назад. То есть это нужно делать решительно и бесповоротно, не озираясь ни на какие правильно бесполезные, ну, бесполезное международное право или еще что-то. Поэтому, конечно, будем сражаться. Будет очень трудно, я сразу говорю. Очень трудно. Потому что если Украине передавали какие-то натовские новинки, то уже НАТО, если зайдет, а НАТО обладает... So I've been saying the same thing for months now. This guy has, has been saying this, this piece. I've been saying this out loud for, for a while. For the, the Russians to hear. He's saying it out. Just imagine. I've said this. He said it. Imagine if NATO were behind the NATO weapons that are currently being used that you currently cannot even defend yourself against.
Ну, в конце концов, если афганцы смогли победить, то уж русским сам Бог велел. Давай исходить из этого. А, ну вот продолжает вот тезис относительно врагов. Мне кажется, вот это философское понятие... Афганистан like really need to we need to get in there get rid of the people and leave okay we didn't really need to rebuild these countries the way that they wanted to that's what all they wanted to do is create these little just build them up that's just not that's not what it was supposed to be doing like you cannot have a war be dictated by men that are residing inside of the white house or the, the america like they have no idea or real no real knowledge of what is going on like on top of the grounds inside of those types of situation afghanistan wasn't a normal war by any means you were fighting or you were fighting against an enemy That looks the same as civilian population. And you're trying to minimize the amount of damage to the civilian infrastructure while trying not to sustain as many or as like the least amount of civilian casualties as possible while trying to kill as many bad guys that are blending into this said population. So just in my deployment to that country, I think we killed just my little group of guys. We killed close to 100 men. They all needed to die, every single one of them. That's just, they were all terrible people. Like we lost a few in the process, of course. But given the circumstances, I think we did fairly well. I think we did a good job. Like, now take the handcuffs off the United States military and take the politics, like every political piece out of Afghanistan, it would have been done at a much, much, much sooner pace. Granted, I don't know, I'm not on the top or echelon of political stuff. I don't know what it comes. But I know what gets fed down to the lower level of guys and what their tasks are. And a lot of times, once you get above a certain rank in the military, it turns into a political mess where all you care about is how do you get to your next OER or how do you get your next OER bullet to get the next rank higher? And it just turns into a political mess after a certain uh, echelon. I don't know why I was above captain. Basically, major and above is just a political mess. I, I, I just don't like it. So that's pretty much that. So pretty much for the next five more minutes or so after this, they talk about Getting rid of the idea that the Ukrainians shouldn't be a thing. They need to strike every single power station within Ukraine and force to freeze this winter. Same thing we've heard over and over again for the last two weeks. That's pretty much all they said after that. And that one clip, that is. Now, the situation that is going on in the northern part of the country, we get to actually show some maps today, which is kind of nice. They, they, they took away that little blackout, I guess, which is a good thing for me because that's pretty much what we started doing on this channel was talking about mapping. Let's get my handy-dandy pen here. So the situation in the northern part of the country has been stable. For the past 48 hours or so, which shouldn't shock anybody uh, when, it, when, it, when it comes to the quick advancement that they've had over the last two weeks, that is the Ukrainians, I would expect them to continue to regroup and gather their forces for the next stage of this, this counteroffensive. And probably the most difficult battle they've actually had recently is going to be taking place back in, uh, on well, with Sivitov coming up, which I would most likely assume this is going to happen before the winter months really set in. I know it's getting really sloppy and messy over there right now. So it means when it gets sloppy and messy, it's going to get cold and stuff's going to freeze over. It just it makes everything, tracked vehicles, extremely difficult to, to maneuver. Not just tracked, it gets wheeled at the same time. You get stuck. Say, just imagine, just think about this. I know for a lot of people sitting at home that have never had to deal with stuff like this, you have these super heavy, like super heavy, so heavy, heavier than anything you ever drove. It's driving across something that's super wet. It gets stuck. So one thing gets stuck. Guess what? Now, it's not just that one thing that's stuck. 
it now screwed up the entire operation that's going on because now you have to get that thing out and now it's stuck and now it's now it's an easy target so that's what screwed the russians back in february like not that's not the only thing that's one of the things that kind of screwed them because they could only take the main routes so it was really easy to hit them i mean that's that was that was one of the things i remember we talking about that they were setting them up on every single thing they were ambushing them all along between sumi and Chernihiv, and they, it was just they were just getting crushed so Anyway, that's what's been going on along this entire line. I'm going to say this, which we've talked about already, that the, the thick, blo- dark black line right there, that is like going to be, I think that's going to be the, the, I guess you'd say the main line of, uh, the farthest I'm going to see the Ukrainians advance probably for the next week or so. Sivitov is going to be the main thing though. Sivitov right there. That's going to be the main focus. Now they have actually had a little bit of success down here in the Southern portion Outside of Lischansk. So Lischansk, we know, is on the high ground. Serving the desk is on the low ground, okay? Now, they actually just took took back, um, oh, well, they, they were successfully took back, what was it, Zolotovrika? Uh, they liberated that town just south of Bilarika, and at the same time, the Russians attempted to push an element north around into Bilarika, right here. So they, they, the Ukrainians took back this area. The Russians took an, or an element, pushed north to try to then get behind them. Didn't pan out. They were unsuccessful. Their attempts were pushed back. Now, we're going to shift towards Bakhmut. I'm going to tell you guys right now, this area, it's going to, it's, it's getting, a lot, how do I want to put this? It's, the, the, the fighting is really heavy, but there hasn't been much change on the ground either side. So, it's, it's extremely like, we're talking about artillery volleys back and forth and shooting and small arms. Everything is it's very heavy. It really is. Like, I've seen that there's a possibility Ukrainians actually mounted a counteroffensive and actually took back like a key crossroads that hasn't, well, we haven't had visual confirmation as of this yet, but this this one is really key. It's one of the ones that the Wagner group has been talking about, super jacked about. They got it back. It took them like two months to get it, and then they lost it in the same day. So that's one of the areas. It's, it's a key crossroads, and um, we'll check back tomorrow. Other than that, there's been no change on the Eastern Front. Hopefully, we'll be doing videos every single day this week for you guys, so maybe tomorrow we'll be able to come back. But Kirsten's pretty much going to be the talking piece of of this episode, I guess you would say. I know the northern side of the country for the last two weeks was, but Kirsten right now is, is somewhat, it's getting really interesting. This is this is um, somewhat murky at the same time. I've, I've seen many people claiming that the Russians are currently withdrawing from the western side of the Dnipro Bank, like even as I'm making this video. So here is what I'm talking about. This is that main river I'm talking about. So this side, all this area, they're um, exfilling, they're, they're bringing the, the civilians back across. I've seen reports that they're also claiming the Russians are taking extra step right now and have been discarding their uniforms to put on civilian clothing to attempt to cross this river to get over to the other side. I don't know how true that is. That could be propaganda. It sounds, it doesn't sound too far-fetched. Some people are putting out that they're trying to swim. They're not swimming across this river, I can assure you. It's way too cold. I don't even know if they would survive after, like, I don't know, if you would survive to swim across this thing for one. I, I do believe we're seeing a plan retrograde, though, by the Russians inside of Kyrgyzstan, which could be the plan of this new guy they have in place. I can't remember his name right now because he's like the eighth general to be in charge right now. Um, the, the one that's been more recently instated in, in by the Kremlin. Like We know the factors of this withdrawal from this area would be the issues of resupplying their men and the difficulty they've had doing so. They need, they might need these troops for other tasks they deem to be higher priority. And they might not just think of holding this ground is worth the men's lives that will be lost because they cannot make any advancements as of just yet here. It's just impossible. They can't do it. It's also been noted that a planned retrograde of a large force is, is fairly difficult. I don't know if you guys know that, but it's fairly difficult. 
especially during tough times by like a, it's got to be done during like a smart individual has to be doing it correctly. Like who isn't going to let their ego get in the way because knowing how to do this correctly will save a lot of their men's lives and actually be successful. If if they let the, if the Russians let their ego get away and say, they're not going to lose this area when they're in fact going to, then a lot of people are going to die for sure. They're men. Okay. But they might be thinking that these troops are better suited elsewhere. Possibly use that letter date to push back through this lost area when it suits them best to do so. Now, the Russians are going to have to leave enough men back while they have a chunk of their men retreat. So as this whole line com- continues to collapse south, they're going to have to set up another one as these men retrograde. And as this, this funnel, I guess you say, starts getting tighter and tighter and tighter, the, the men that are back here in this very last area, the very last... Um, The word, oh my God, has tertiary line. Oh my God, what is the word? I'm sorry, I can't remember the the word. I really can't. Phase line. Okay, the very final phase line. Okay, as they re, as they retreat back into this area, as it collapses, that final one is going to be where the Russians are going to have to have the most. And when I mean the most disciplined, because they're gonna, it's going to be the most difficult to hold. This is the one that's going to. If, if they can't hold this last one, I don't know when this last phase line is going to be. Say it's that third one. If they can't hold that third one, this is when it's all going to fall apart. The first two, first three, whatever it is, won't be nearly as difficult. But that last one, as they collapse, it's going to be extremely difficult because there's going to be more Ukrainians condensed in one area as they go. You know, see what I'm saying? As they go through. In the end, the Russians will be struggling to get their men and their supplies across the river in a timely and orderly fashion if it is not planned correctly and if they do not have the discipline. The discipline is extremely important on these defensive lines. Like, they're going to have to hold this area. Like, I'm telling you guys, the Ukrainians are going to be nipping at their heels as they retreat. So, discipline is going to be very high. Now, without discipline, the Russians will fail and fall short in getting most of their men and equipment across into the Kirsten on the other side. And I haven't seen any indications as of right now on any ground that's been lost as of just yet. I know uh, that they have been sending the mobilized men into this area. We know that the problem with mobilized men they're not very disciplined so they're going to use these these men to hold the lines as they fall back i just don't see how it's going to work out i would not want to be a russian inside of kirsten i can promise you, i wouldn't want to be a russian at all but especially in this area as they retreat like what if they just use these mobilized men as cannon fodder to help with their retreat that is a valid question and points i'm being i'm, I'm, I'm saying either like i don't think the city of kirsten is going to be easy to take either because we know that the russians have been fortifying the city for months ukrainian intelligence is claiming that the there's reports that the most that most of the civilians, excuse me, population has actually departed entirely from Kirsten proper, which isn't, it's not a good thing. It, it's, well, it's a, it's a clear indication that the worst is, is, is to be expected. But to be honest with you, well, if you're on the Ukrainian side of things, knowing that most of the civilians have left the city is a good thing for them, not for the Russians. The Ukrainians, for the most part, have been having to take back and liberate each town knowing they're in occupied, or excuse me, that they're occupied, And there are civilians that are living in these areas. They want to minimize the amount of damage that's done to their homes and infrastructures as a whole. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to just level the city as the Ukrainians by any means. I'm not saying that's going to be a thing. But them knowing that there's not as many civilians left in the city itself will lessen the chances of civilian casualties, possibly giving them more opportunities of munitions to be utilized during this offensive push. I know. All random stuff to think about. I know it's kind of a mouthful once I said it out loud. But when I was thinking about this, prepping this video... That was my thought process behind it. So, anyway, hopefully I made a little bit of sense. Do love you guys. Thanks for hanging with me. Catch you guys tomorrow.